Liam, you know how I begin these podcasts with a question of some kind? No. That leads into something you don't know? The... <laughs> no, I do, I do. I kid, I jest. Oh, I get it now. Well, I got a doozy of a question for you today, Liam. All right, man. It's a real big one. Are you, are you, you prepared? No, but I think that'll make it better. The question is this. Are you ready for some football? <gasps> yes. Welcome to Big Time Whoopsies. My name is Eric McAdams, and this is a podcast about incompetence. Each week, I, your master of disaster, will take you through a story from history involving massive incompetence. And I bring a friend of mine along for the ride. This week, I have Liam Sr., Major Casts Network co-founder. Say hi, Liam. Uh, to quote all of the 90s Budweiser ads, uh, what's up? Also, I didn't realize that you were a master of disaster. Did you? Where'd you get your formal training? So that's actually a nickname that my uh, my godmother's husband gave me when I would visit him as a child. Right, you're godmohas. Yeah, there are words for these things, Eric. Of course. Excuse me. So we would visit my godmother and her uh, godmohas every time we went. We drove up to Maine when I was a kid, and I was a rambunctious child. Right. Um, I was not the first word I would pick to describe you. Yeah, the, there are other words that were definitely used to describe me. One glasses. W- one uh, no, not that not at that time. I didn't wear glasses then. The <laughs> but to- it still worked as a description. <laughs> no, it didn't. No, it didn't. Because usually what most you had people... the essence of no, needing glasses. I really didn't. Because the the main thing people described me as was annoying. Because I was really energetic and hyperactive and really annoying. I would, you know, having, I would arrive at their house having been in a car for hours with my parents. So you were calm, collected, knew how to control (laughs) all your appendages. Definitely not like literally bouncing off the walls with energy. Nah. So that, that, that would, that would happen. And so every time he saw me, I would be like, vibrating with energy so that's how i got barry that allen he did one I, I eventually calmed down and he stopped calling me that but i feel like it's also very appropriate for this friggin podcast sure i thought that was something that you would come up with so i'm glad to see no. that it was your godmother's husband friend yeah. of the show shout out the, to gary yeah how you doing there liam how you, how you doing today Fucking tired, but it's Friday. I'm in love, as the cure said. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I I I was working in the in the comedy music mines all day. <laughs> in the trenches. Uh, the old the old pickaxe yeah. getting those MP3s out of the cave walls. Dearest Jane, the audio <laughs> licenses have gone Don't out. Don't use control. her real name. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha 
she's been mentioned on this podcast before. They, my listeners know we, she's we a person. We can't tell her that. We can't tell the world her real first name is Dearest. <laughs> Dearest Bartholomew Jane. It's her That's full her full name. name. Yeah. She's named after Bart Simpson. <laughs> Anyways, I've mentioned Bart Simpson. We've talked about Jane. Therefore, the ritual is complete and we can continue on to the meat of the podcast. Mecca like a high. <laughs> Rest of the phrase. <laughs> uh, so this is a podcast where you tell a story to your guest. I'm the guest. Tell me a goddamn story. All right, let's just jump right into it. Yeah, dude. Liam, what do you know about football? Uh, pigskins. Monday nights. Blake Bortle. Uh, we got fucking Super Bowls. We've got <laughs> the Eagles. We've got the Panthers? What? <laughs> It's nuts. No, I know a fair amount about it. So <laughs> field goals and touchdowns and safeties. So I'm gonna I'm gonna run a final score of a football game by you, and you're gonna tell me just your first impressions of what that game might have been like. Sure. Cause re- this is a football game, remember? Professional, not like flag football. This isn't like a company flag football. Yeah, this game. is an NFL football game. Not an XFL. Where the final score was three to zero. So my first like impression of that game, the first thing I think of is, damn it, we watched this whole game. <laughs> and one thing happened once. I had to sit through 25 different Hyundai, Hyundai commercials. <laughs> so basically, your reaction is like, hey, that wasn't much of a game, was it? Well, but there's a small part of my brain that's like, it could have been a crazy game where a bunch of touchdowns just like kept not happening. But I feel like it's knowing sports, like as a whole, mm-hmm. it's always more disappointing. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you a story that explains how that game was one of the most exciting, most, uh, yes, one of the biggest deals that ever happened to Tampa Bay, Florida. Oh, wait. There's a lot of big deals that have happened to Tampa Bay, Florida. Tom Petty's from there. <laughs> so that's one. Um, and that's a lot. All right. So that might be it if I'm being 100% honest. Yeah. Liam? Yeah. It's 1974. Oh, wow. Let's uh ugh. Let's let's not do anything. <laughs> 70s were bad. <laughs> It's 1974, and the NFL is expanding. They just recently merged with the AFL, and there are currently 26 teams in the league, but they want more franchises because they're greedy. Of course. They're currently planning on having two new teams start in 1976, two years from now. And they've narrowed down the list to five possible cities where these two teams might spring up. Kalamazoo. Temecula. (laughs) Let me let me let me read them. <laughs> Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. Phoenix, Arizona. The Phoenixes, and you'd call Memphis like the Blues or something. Seattle, Washington. Okay, Seahawks. Honolulu, Hawaii. The Bears. <laughs> <laughs> and Tampa, Florida. Uh, the disappointments. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the two that win are the, are Seattle, Washington and Tampa, Florida, because spoiler alert, there isn't an NFL franchise in Honolulu. Although that would be dope as fuck. 
Jackie Robinson played for the Honolulu Bears in college. In yeah, like he was a, he was a multi sport athlete. Yeah, the, so they they had they had some form of football, but uh, no, that would yeah, be such a great. There would have been a market for it, you know. But... I was I really want Hawaii to get a sports team because that means that like. Uh, every game or so, a team gets to go on vacation. <laughs> yeah, like, the travel expenses would be terrible for the owner, and that would be why we don't see this happen. They're the owner. They, they turn but, the like, faucet on and money comes Exactly, out. because I don't give a shit about the owner, and I want the players to have a vacation once a season. Yeah, because you know what? Maybe if they have a vacation once a season, they won't, like, be awful after football ends. <laughs> However, I will say that Hawaii did eventually get uh, something from the NFL because that's where the Pro Bowl is played. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, which is which is kind of cool. Still, I'd like a franchise there. Yeah, but it's a good consolation prize. So, Tampa and Seattle win, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are born. Yep. Tampa Bay immediately sets to work getting a new stadium, infrastructure, and a head coach under their owner, Hugh Culverhouse. Hey, hey can we build it out of oranges? <laughs> they they get Tampa Stadium, which holds 72,000 <laughs> <What? laughs> people. Hey, what should we name the stadium? <laughs> Do you want it to be called FedEx Field or some shit? I don't know. Maybe like Clorox. Tostitos <laughs> Land. <laughs> Tampa Stadium's so low. Let's name it the place it's in. I would rather it be that than, like, corporate branding field. Well, what about, all right, but, like, how about something like the Superdome or the Astrodome, because that's a real thing. <laughs> well, it's in space, Eric. <laughs> well, it's in space. We got to keep our, ground, our aspirations grounded here. It just makes sense at this point. All right, so they build a stadium. They name it Stupid. Yeah, they, they have to build up their whole infrastructure, like people who mostly don't really know how to run a football team, but more on that later. Uh, and they need a head coach. They they court a few different people, and eventually they settle on a man named John. Well, let me guess, let me guess. They, se they settle on a pile of loose gator skin that someone threw a trucker hat on. Actually, they do much better than that. John McKay is known for two things. What's winning college championships with USC and his and sense being of all humor. And bubblegum. He's, I don't know at this point how many championships he's won. I think it's four uh, different championships That's he's won championships. with USC. Yeah, he's had a huge amount of success as a college coach. Uh, and he's already Has he ever... Sorry, has he ever played in the pros before? I mean, not played, coached in the... He has before. not coached, in the, but he had been offered before. He'd like gotten three different offers and turned the ball down up to this point. Uh, but the Buccaneers make him an offer of a five-year contract for $3 million, and he says, you know what? Sounds good Throwing a me. couple trips to Disney World, and you got yourselves a deal. <laughs> I want to see if that mansion's really haunted. Yeah. So next up, they need players to play on their football team. That's a fun fact. That's a Ooh, true football fact. fact. That's a little piece of trivia you can take home with you, everybody. Yeah. Impress your friends. Put that away in your shirt pocket. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks did get the first overall pick in the, pick in the draft that year, and they got some real defensive talent there. But yeah, we'd like to pick four trailer park wheels. <laughs> but the thing is, there are there are only so many professional football players, and the draft only has so many people. So the NFL institutes an expansion draft where they get to pick some players from NFL teams already, and they get to pick like unsigned free agents to because. 
they're they're creating teams out of whole cloth here, you know. Okay. Like they have that to. Seems kind of complicated and dubious. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna skip through that. But basically, what it means is the Bucks get like rookies and washed up backups. Oh boy! For their team, they get garbage players. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> they just get like the t- they get the players that the other NFL teams don't feel bad about losing. Listen, I only need two racehorses. Give me the oldest horse you've got and a horse that's never seen grass before. Yeah, the Bucks, I'm deranged. The Bucks trade for a quarterback because they can't <laughs> oh, get... I knew we forgot to get some. Because, because the prospects for quarterback are so bad in these drafts that they, 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 they trade for someone with any experience and they get a backup. Like That's pretty great. That's pretty smart thinking. Like a backup quarterback is better than pretty much anything else they're getting. His name oh, is man. Steve Spurrier. <laughs> Spurrier the Courier? Sure. They well, also... No, quarterbacks don't cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> they also drafted John McKay's own son. When asked how... I wonder if he, like, took a big hit from a cigar and was like, I've got an idea that's crazy enough to work. Here's the thing. We're going to hit on a lot of different John McKay quips over the course of this story. Fantastic. And this one is uh, when they talked about drafting him, he was like, well, I had an advantage getting him to sign. I'm sleeping with his mother. Zing. Yeah, this is a good one. So they have to make do with the dregs of the NFL. They get old has-beens. They get untrained idiots. These are the men and boys that John McKay has to take to training camp. All of a sudden, those four trailer tires are looking pretty good right now. <laughs> pretty much immediately, John McKay starts getting criticized. He He's a controversial coach, like, from the get-go. He wasn't impressed by the NFL, and NFL coaches who took themselves really seriously resented that. Like... NFL coaches thought that their job was, like, life or death, basically. And, like, to survive here, you had to be the best of the best. And he thought that there just wasn't that he, big of a... John McKay, John McKay is just like, you guys are fucking lame. Pretty much. He thought awesome. that there wasn't that big of a difference between coaching in college and coaching in the NFL. And he has another quip here. He says, you draw X's and O's on a blackboard, and that's not so difficult. I could even do it with my left hand. <laughs> that's a direct quote. That's great. Uh, and because of this reputation for humor and sarcasm, people worry that this kind of aloof quality won't endear him to players and fans. He and his coaches... People are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the thing of my podcast. <laughs> Eric, I don't know if you've noticed this before. Let me just hit you with some real good observational humor here. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Yeah. Uh, he and his That's coaches... Seinfeld for all you, you little kids out there. Ask your parents about it. McKay and his coaches arrive at training camp with their team, and they are shocked at how bad they are. <laughs> <laughs> They're eating the football! They had they had planned to, to look at the veterans and kind of see which veterans they got from the draft were, are going to round up to starter form. Because... McCabe used this as an opportunity to, like, you you didn't have a starting job before this, and now you've got a chance to actually, like, make your mark with a team. He was expecting people to, like, really go for it. And that doesn't really happen, and it turns out the rookies are just pretty much better, usually. Because they're, like, are actively, like, they're actually driven and want to, like, get shit done. 
they've got something to prove. They're not these old has-beens who are like, yeah. ah, I just get thrown around to teams. But even <laughs> I don't so, even know what team I'm on. Even so, uh, uh, it's pretty clear to McKay that he's gonna have his work cut out for him. This is not gonna be an easy ride. And so early on, McKay liked to say at uh, press conferences that his team was undefeated in the preseason. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's cut to the actual regular season, shall we? I'm in. Let's do it. You've hooked me so far. The first game of the season is in Houston. Okay. And it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the season. The Buccaneers arrive on the day of the game, and they start their season by getting lost inside the stadium. <laughs> the whole team... The whole team. The whole team goes to the Houston Astrodome and gets lost. Well, duh, Eric. As we've mentioned before, the Astrodome is in space. So they're just... probably, like, super disoriented. I need to... I have so much to talk about for this episode, but I just... Can we take a second to think about... Yeah, let's... I want to... I really group... want to think about the logistics. So a group of, like... and so This is it, group of large men. Players... Like... Like, did coaches get lost? I don't. Did, like, I don't know the lost? specifics of this. Okay, so at least about like twenty-five. Oh, uh, well over sixty. People. Okay, cool. I, I I honestly didn't know what how big a team would be in the seventies. Yeah. So like uh, at least fifty. Many... At, this is a group of at least fifty people. They're and they're bigger than we'll ever hope to tr- or dream. These to are make. large boys. Cannot stress that enough. <laughs> and they go to a football stadium <laughs> somewhere where they work. Yeah, and most stadiums a place are that should feel simple. at least somewhat familiar to them. They all kind of, ha- especially when you're a player. There's like really only two places that you see, <laughs> and one of them is a large portion of the stadium. It's called the field. Yeah. And you're telling me that 50 adult grown boy men walked into a structure, a structure who's literally built around, look at this big swath of grass in the middle. (laughs) And they got lost. Like, they're like underneath it, I assume. Like, they're like the the maze like interior of the stadium, you know? There's like a sphinx that tries to teach them riddles. There's all these like monsters trying to steal things from them. David Bowie shows up with a baby. (laughs) And a bulge. And a real uncomfortable bulge. You can see like where the shaft and the head are like different. And this is the 70s, remember. It's a different time. (laughs) It's a different time. It's it's, It's back when no one looked under the belly button. Yeah, so... So that's how they start their 1976 NFL season. Hey, we can only go up from here, gang. Eventually, they find their way to the visitors' clubhouse, but the game itself does not go much better. They couldn't find the end zone, could they? They get on the field, and during pre-game warm-ups, one of their linemen injures himself so badly he can't come back for the rest of the season. Okay, all right. So that's we're zero for two, fellas. <laughs> In but the honestly, warm-ups. I really think I really think rock bottom, springboard up. We we got this. I think we're gonna be okay. The game starts. They only complete eight passes all game. They their two starting running backs only rush for less than twenty yards total together. Uh, somehow, despite this. Uh, they were only down by seven points in the second quarter. I'm seeing silver linings. That's the thing, y'all. y'all. I was like, I thought our hustle was on point. They had a chance to score. 
they're in the red zone. Steve Spurrier throws a pass to an open receiver in the end zone. Who drops it? Okay, you know, the ball is thrown, like, pretty hard. So <laughs> I don't think it's fully my fault for... And, like, it's hot out, so my <laughs> hands are sweaty, so, like, the gloves are going to be kind of weird. I assume we're wearing gloves. They lose the, the only one? <laughs> they lose the game 20 to 0. <laughs> I, I, it's, getting hard, it's getting real hard to bounce back, guys. It's been a shitty day. After the game, a reporter taunted John McKay. <laughs> Asking why they didn't win because he'd been so confident. McKay said, look, Houston has been in the league for 6,000 years and they haven't won a championship. The Bucks will be heard from. Which is just a great quote end uh, to end. So John McKay is the greatest. Is yeah, what I'm that's basically the, the thesis of this, of this story. Is he the pickle for the knowing one? <laughs> no, that's beauty products. It's the end of the series on it. Cut that out. <laughs> Don't spoil it. How dare you? I will. They lose the next game 23-0. to zero. Guys, I'm thinking maybe that football isn't for me anymore, and my dad's <laughs> got a position at his gator farm because it's Florida. In the third game, they actually score some points. Guys, I'm back. I'm feeling like we're able to maybe bounce back from this. Also, my brother got that position at the Gator Farm. They score three whole field goals. They lose 14 to 9. That's only a difference of five, though. I'm feeling like, again, nowhere but up. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, also, I forgot to mention after that first game... The, the plane, the chartered plane that they had taking them back home almost crashed. The uh, week four, the Bucks go up against the Baltimore Colts. They lose 42 to 17. But 17 points is still... that's that, Listen, we got into the double digits. <laughs> so I'm actually going to mark it a win in our personal, like, teammate camaraderie column. Yeah. Uh, John McKay said after the game... Field position hurt us badly. Dropped passes hurt us badly. No blocking hurt us badly. Injuries hurt us badly. And penalties hurt us badly. Otherwise, it was a perfect afternoon. Also, I gotta say, like, as bad as we are, I really like our coach. Yeah. They, the game after coach that... Coach is fucking funny, man. He should do stand-up or something. Actually, like... a, lot of, a lot of reporters <laughs> talked about his press conferences like they were stand-up routines. Uh, they He's they like fucking Richard Pryor, man. It's the seventy. They lose the next game to Cincinnati. They lose that one twenty-one to zero. All right, that one hurts because they put fucking chocolate chili on their spaghetti like <laughs> monsters. Cincinnati is so unimpressed that they don't even hand out a game ball to any of their players afterwards. Damn, that's cold. Cincinnati's like the Florida of the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. It is just that's just an evil move. It's that's just so like, low. What we ever do to you? We gave you orange juice. If anything, that's the coach being like, look, I could have won this game with actual children playing. What did McKay say about that? I don't think he had too many quotes for that one. <laughs> Mostly him going, fuck you. Then comes week six, the, which is called the Expansion Bowl, because they play the other expansion team, the Seattle Seahawks. All right, they're probably like in the same boat we are, so I gotta be honest, I'm feeling pretty good about this game. The Seattle Seahawks have also not won a game yet. 
fucking yeah. Is this the is this the zero to three game? Oh no, we have a long way to go before uh, we get there. All right, Gandalf, lead the journey. <laughs> it's called the expansion bowl. Both teams are 0-5 going into the game. During the game, more yards are gained by penalties than either offense. That is incredible. Yes. <laughs> Over 300 That's yards are given in that penalties. That only happens in Madden. Yeah. <laughs> like, when, when the cat goes on the other controller. <laughs> the Buccaneers lose 13-10. to 10, Which is just hurts because it was close. But... At least, this is a home game, by the way. They at least score their first touchdown in their home stadium in this game. Their sixth. Look, I'm putting another W in our personal win column. <laughs> There's a point with one minute left in the game where they are they are in field goal range. And, they're re- and they're, they could tie the game with a field goal. And Seattle blocks it. They block the kick. The kicker afterwards said, nobody touched the guy who blocked it. I can't block them myself. He was then carried off the field after being hit in the eye by a penalty flag. Oh, God. What is happening to sports? Why can't it be like this anymore? For those who don't know, referees referees in in NFL games throw throw flags when a penalty is committed. And one of them managed to hit the kicker in the eye with it. That is literally... Oh, my God. <laughs> how... How is that the weirdest thing that's happened so far? Yeah. The Buccaneers lose all 14 games that season. By the middle of the season, their own home crowd is booing them. <laughs> Maybe they're saying boo Caneers. <laughs> Did you ever think of that? That's a good Simpsons reference. I wasn't even thinking of that Oh, (laughs) I was just you know subconsciously stealing from maybe my favorite show (laughs) at one point a fan threw a dead bird at Steve Spurrier when a cat brings it to you it's a good thing (laughs) and then injuries pile up ending the seasons for a lot of their starters and their defense goes to shit along with their offense they play the Jets, who beat them 34-0. to The Steelers beat them 42-0. to The Buccaneers have the worst offense in the entire league by far. Like, they score 40 points less than the next guy up. Alright, so like, reflecting on our first year as a team, I think there were some parts that we can improve on. <laughs> uh, maybe winning a game would be like our first... That that'd be that would be amazing. Could you imagine if we won a football game? That'd be Isn't it crazy that I'm the optimal. only person from Tampa on the Bucks. <laughs> Steve Spurrier was actually from Florida, but was he from Tampa? I don't think he was from Tampa. I don't remember where exactly he was from, but he was from Florida. I think four or five different teams score forty or more points on them. The Bucks only score twenty points once all season. They get shut out five different times. Oh, that was a fucking great day, man. <laughs> we got we got ice cream after the game. Yeah. McKay, of course, has a lot of choice quotes during the whole season. Fuck. <laughs> I've made a mistake. Yeah. He says, 
what after one game we didn't tackle well but we made up for it by not blocking <laughs> he said we've determined that we can't win at home and we can't win on the road what we need is a neutral site <laughs> Uh, there was one after a game, he got riled up by the press corps and said, you guys don't know the difference between a football and a bunch of bananas. At the following week's game, a member of the media left a case of bananas at his office door. And so he came to well, the... Well, joke's on them, because, like, that's all... That's potassium that we need for games. At, at the press conference that day, he said, You guys don't know the difference between a football and a Mercedes-Benz. Ha <laughs> ha! McKay. Yeah. One step ahead of the competition. So, Liam, we're about to break for an ad for another show on the Major Cast Network, but... Boo! <laughs> <laughs> said the co-founder. You can hate your own empire, Eric. <laughs> but while while we're on this break, I want you and the audience to ruminate on the question. What do you do after a season like that? More after the break. Hello, listener. Do you like a scare, a jump, a fright? How about Maine? How do you feel about Maine? If any of those words made your heart skip a beat, then I've got a podcast for you. King Me is a monthly Stephen King podcast where I, Tom Lockney, and a guest watch through a theatrical adaption of a work by everyone's favorite Northeastern author and talk about it with a little help from the source material. So, if you're feeling particularly brave, join me on my descent into terror on the Major Casts Network or wherever you find podcasts. So before the break, Liam, I asked you, what would you do after a season where you lose every game that you play? Do you have an answer for me? Yeah, um, I think the first thing I would do is quit. <laughs> uh, and the second thing I would do is leave the country <laughs> forever. Start a new life in Greece? No, that economy is going to go to shit in 30 years. Uh, I mean, it's oh, already... it's just pretty. It's just pretty. It is very pretty. That's the only thing I'm thinking of at this point. So you know, I've lost everything. Have you seen the first <laughs> season? I've dropped my accent and everything. It's just devastating. Well, the thing, the thing is, John McKay has a five-year contract. <laughs> shit. <laughs> and what he decides to do is fire his quarterback. The Buccaneers cut Steve Spurrier. Sometimes it's radical thinking that really pays off. Yeah. You know, that's how we got Nazi scientists working for us and making a bunch of shit we didn't need. Uh, Steve Spurrier gets cut. He goes on to uh, coach, to become a successful college coach in his own right and try to coach the Washington Redskins, which he does very badly at. Well, maybe it's a cursed, uncoachable team. Yeah, see, the thing, uh, this is something that John McKay was probably rightfully criticized for. He was noted for cutting people who disagreed with him. And sure. Steve Spurrier had been pretty unhappy with how McKay had been running the offense. Sure. With, with good reason. Like, for one thing, McKay had his own son as the top wide receiver on the team. And Spurrier thought that other guys were way more qualified to do that, which is debatable. And apparently another McKay, player... McKay, your son has one leg, for Christ's <laughs> sake. <laughs> ah, he's fine. It's not fine. He doesn't even have... <laughs> Look at him go. <laughs> he's... 
What hands? <laughs> Catch anything that comes You're near bad him. Bad father, but you're so funny. <laughs> ah. Steve Spurrier, according to another player, would throw passes to uh, McKay's son over the middle of the field where there were more defenders in an effort to get the son injured. Sure. Why which not? is an, a phenomenally petty and mean thing to do. I mean, there ain't, ain't no love in war, baby. Yeah, so no, no love lost there. They're, they're both Pretty happy sure that that's Pretty sure what gone. I said, ain't no love in war, baby, is the correct sure. <laughs> nomenclature, my friend. They do. They, they replace Steve Spurrier with just kind of garbage. They get a couple <laughs> of quarter... Finally, someone's listening to my ideas. We got a bag of garbage as our quarterback. <laughs> they got, they got fucking two, Tampa Pride right there. They had two quarterbacks that were backups again that they expected to fight for the quarterback job, but they both injured themselves in the off season. <laughs> I'm gonna guess ATV accident and another separate ATV accident. Yeah, they they do strengthen other areas though, and this time their defense doesn't just collapse from injuries. Uh, so they do a bit better in that area. They still lose a lot, though. And people start making fun of the Buccaneers. Johnny well, Carson, for one, loves this. It's wild and crazy stuff. Uh, he for, he makes a joke, uh, name yeah. two disasters that are accompanied by band music. Says the Titanic and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then what would Ed McMahon always say? I, I don't know. I think that was I'm the end of the joke. <laughs> He's a shitty person okay <laughs> yeah it's a joke for the comedy nerds that don't listen to the podcast their own make. their own fans start booing them uh vendors start Again? selling start selling shirts that say throw john mckay in the bay the uh, other teams think they're a laughing stock uh archie manning father of peyton and eli who's a quarterback at the time says i hate my son so fucking much <laughs> Archie, uh... One's a dumbass and one is a goddamn criminal. <laughs> Archie Manning. <laughs> uh, yeah, Peyton Manning is a bad person. Is a criminal. Archie Manning, who plays for the New Orleans Saints, says it would be disgraceful to lose to them. <laughs> you burnt. They, one, of the, one of their replacement quarterbacks, uh, his name is Gary Huff, um, in the middle of the season... In the middle of the season, he gets sacked so hard he cracks a rib and has to leave a game, leave the game, and the fans cheer. <laughs> Did he leave in a huff? Yeah, sure. He left on a stretcher, I think. Yeah, sure. Well, shouldn't have joined the Bucks. He got he got sacked so hard he broke a rib. Like it's like fucking football, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't like get up. Do you remember that time I told you the Buccaneers had the worst offense in the league in 76? Oh, I remember it like it was minutes ago. The uh, Buccaneers score less than they did <laughs> that year. Uh, are they year. my favorite football team now? <laughs> but their defense gets much better. They actually, like the draft, the, the players that they drafted a year ago actually get to play every day. They don't get injured. And they actually have like good players on the defense. All right. That's something. They still lose their first 11 games of the season. There you go. Let's fast forward to week 12, therefore, where they also lose. But uh, the interesting thing about this game is that it's against the Chicago Bears. They have star running back Walter Payton. Uh, for those who, who Peyton Manning is named after. Walter Payton is one of the best running backs of all time. 
and he has a legitimate argument for the best running back of all time. And while the Buccaneers get shut out in this game, they hold Walter Payton to not very many, well, he gets a lot of yards, but it's mostly because the Bears give him the ball on like every play. <laughs> and they hold Here him back go. really well. Like like they 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 do a really good job uh, holding him back. And so this is a star and they hold this team to 10 points in the game. Damn. Which is good. Their defense is real. It's a so- and this is a sign that they aren't giving up. And then comes week 13 and guess who it's against? Seahawks. Archie Manning and the New Orleans Saints. Ah. See, I at this point, expansion ball. At this point in the season, uh, the Bucks have set the record for the most consecutive losses. Archie ever. Manning said that it would be a disgrace to lose to the Buccaneers. He did say that the Buccaneers have lost twenty-six games in a row, a record which stands to this day in the National Football League. Hey, a record's a record, man. Yeah. <laughs> Every single team like takes it pretty seriously when they play the Buccaneers because no one wants to be the team that loses to them. <laughs> That's amazing. So they get like super, str- they're like probably super high strung because it's like you have to, if you lose yeah. to the Buccaneers, it's like worse. It's the worst than losing. Yeah. The teams know that the Bucks have a real defense. And so if they slip up, they could lose this game. The Buccaneers blow out the Saints 33 to 14 Fuck in this yeah, game. Yeah, they do. They capitalize specifically on terrible play from the New Orleans offense, which is led by Archie Manning. Ah, uh, eat shit. All three Mannings suck. Yeah. The Buccaneers get six interceptions over the course of the game, three of which are run back for touchdowns. Oh, that's that's an insane statistic. It is. That's and a fifty percent statistic. Yeah, that that is honestly an absurd amount of interceptions run back for touchdowns. And as the game clock winds down in the fourth quarter, the defensive line on the Buccaneers starts just shouting, "It's disgraceful!" At Archie. <laughs> I love sports. Sports is so good. The New Orleans head coach Hank Stram. Uh, <laughs> after yes. After the game, supposedly ordered the film of the game to be burned. And a week afterwards, he was fired. Of course. Ah, uh, I should say, I should say, like, I I love this story so much and have been the whole time. One of my dream shows for Major Cast Network is just a show where Eric tells me sports stories. <laughs> I'm not, I, this is not a bit. I am not doing a joke. I am being... This is the most genuine... I'm surprised it's taken me this long to do a sports story on this podcast. Me too. But I think it's because you do sports stuff on Media Majors. This is true. Uh, After the game, John McKay says, three or four plane crashes and we're in the playoffs. (laughs) Uh, And then the Buccaneers win their next game too. Against? Against the St. Louis Cardinals. And after that game, the head coach of that team is also fired. No. <laughs> and the and this and this game, unlike the one in New Orleans, was a home game in Tampa Bay, and the fans are so overjoyed that a vendor who is selling one of those throw John McKay in the bay shirts mm-hmm. starts stamping don't on them in the beginning. So they read don't throw him in the bay. And Listen, the fans—it's all about supply and demand. The fans are so overwhelmed with happiness that they tear down the goalposts on the field. 
because they're so happy. People are the worst. <laughs> fucking sports fans, man. Oh, they're the worst. <sighs> I wish sports fans and Steven Universe fans would fight each other to death. <laughs> I wish sports fans and Rick and Morty fans would fight each uh, other to death. The, that's, I'll get all three of those people in a fight while, while in a little island while we polite society continues. Mm. The season after that, 1978, isn't that much better, but they win five games instead of two. They go five and 11 because now they play 16 games in a season. Okay. And this this season isn't really all that notable, but a couple key developments take place. They scout, before the draft, they scout a guy named Doug Williams because they need a quarterback and Doug Williams is leading the NCAA in a lot of categories. Now, if you have a quarterback who's leading the NCAA in a lot of passing categories, you would think he would be a hot commodity and hard to draft. Right. The Buccaneers but... are the only team to even scout him. Because... And even this was criticized. They were criticized for even looking at him. Why? Doug Williams was black. Oh, good. Racism was the answer. Yes. Doug Williams was black, and there were people... He was he was by no means the first black quarterback. That had happened like 10 years previous to this. <laughs> Doug Williams was black, and there are still people in the United States in the National Football League who believe that black men did not have the intellectual capability to be a quarterback. Good. Good. I'm glad that people are allowed to voice opinions, mm -hmm. even when they're stupid, heinous, evil, and wrong. Yep. Because yep. now we, as a society, have to go listen. And yep. we can't just immediately be like, "Get up, go join the island with the Rick and Morty fans. Mm -hmm. They could, the, the Bucks could have black players on defense or on the line or whatever, but the quarterback was a thinking man's job. Man, that, like, uh, white racist people are so, like, I guess this is going to sound strange because they are many bad things. Mm -hmm. But petty? They're yeah. so petty because it's like, oh, fine, fine, fine. You can join the football team. But yeah, you can't be the quarterback. Yeah, That's also, also, like the mental ability to be a quarterback. Oh, oh my God. Times. Fucking kill. Tom Brady Just... is easily one of the dumbest. Eli Manning. <laughs> No offense, but Eli no one Manning in the world dumb. has ever looked at Eli Manning and gone, "There's a smart boy." There's a boy who's got his head on right. Yeah, Eli Manning was voted most likely to get his head stuck in a banister yeah. in high school. <laughs> so Doug Williams is drafted because uh, John McKay and his offensive coach Joe Gibbs are the only uh, people who believe that he could be a quarterback in the NFL. Apparently. And at the time, he's the only starting black quarterback in the entire NFL. He instantly improves the offense because he's fucking good at his job. Shocker. The Buccaneers are still bad that season because he gets injured. Wow. God damn. Yeah. It's like a curse on this team with injuries. So now begins the 1979 season. And the Bucs start this... The Buccaneers start this season by winning their first five games in a row. I told you, eventually we're gonna go. We gotta go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, this one character, he's stuck I'm with them. I'm not on the team anymore. I, I work. I'm, I sell hot dogs like yeah. outside the stadium, but I'm, you know, 
Members of the press corps are, of course, flabbergasted. How do they do this? They go, John McKay's still coaching. And like, yeah, dipshit. Like, he got good players and he's finally, like, he's finally got the tools to run his plays. No shit he's going to do well now. Did you see how many championships he won? I feed every player out of a trough filled with Wheaties. Flash forward to week 13 and they're 9-3. and That's a good record. That's a very good record. And it's good enough that they only need one more win to clinch a playoff spot. And if they clinch a playoff spot, they'll be the first expansion team to do so. The next, in week 13, the uh, stadium workers preemptively grease the goalposts to make them impossible to uproot. Smart. Yeah. Good thinking. This goes for not because they lose by one point in that game. Oof. Yeah. Devastating. By one point. And it's because of a missed extra point attempt. They could that would have tied the game. Don't you love it when like weird sports rules yeah. come into play? The next week they get shut out and lose. Oof. <laughs> they got lost in another stadium, didn't they? The week after that they play the the San Francisco 49ers who come in with a record of 1 and 13. Yeesh. The Bucks lose that one too. Ah, the Bucks. So that brings us to week 16 in Kansas City. All of a sudden, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are tied for first place. And to win the division, they have to win today. They play in Tampa Bay, and the skies open. Oh, boy. The rain is so intense that despite the game starting at 2 in the afternoon, they have to use the stadium lights to see. Jesus. And they still played? They still played. The footage is ridiculous. Like, it looks like they're they're just playing in a swamp. Like, <laughs> Well, they are. They're playing in Tampa. Like, it's just ridiculous. Both teams play terribly. There are turnovers and fumbles. The offenses do so badly that at halftime, the score is tied 0-0. Zero to zero. Going into the fourth quarter, it is still scoreless. And halfway through the fourth quarter... The Bucks finally hit a field goal and they hold on to win 3 to 0. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a playoff team and Mc- and John McKay has led them to the playoffs through the goddamn torrential rain. Yep. And that's how a, a 3 to 0 game becomes a game that matters. Ugh. Well. Swampy days. So, here's the epilogue. The uh, they win one playoff game. They they are eliminated though. They don't make it to the Super Bowl. They do win a game though. They aren't just immediately shot out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to this day never won a Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, though they have won a few playoff games. They've occasionally contended, and this is partially because in the 1980s, Doug Williams was up to be re-signed, and he'd been getting underpaid despite friggin' like leading the whole team for years and the owner wouldn't go above four hundred thousand dollars a year he wanted six hundred thousand dollars a year the owner wouldn't Mm -hmm. do it and when he wouldn't doug williams walked and joined uh the united states football league and an upstart other professional league and john mckay was protesting this the whole time he was telling the owner just like just fucking pay him like what are you doing don't let him walk the owner did, and the next season, the Bucks were a losing team again. A classic Floridian tale. Yeah, that's the epilogue there. 
Um, I I have some bad news, Eric. What's the bad news? Uh, Tom Petty was not from Tampa. Gainesville. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, Gainesville. So. Well, wait, is Gainesville in Tampa Bay? Because Tampa Bay is a larger area. Let me see. No, it is not. Oh, it is well. in North Florida. Darn. Well, I'm sorry to to end your story on such a dour note. You want to take me through your emotional state here, Liam? Give me your, some reactions. Yeah, hungry. Um, <laughs> just hungry. I love to have an I'd emotional like impact on the people I tell stories to. Yeah, well, I'm making chicken that I can't stop thinking about, so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should wrap it up. Here we are. So, Liam, at the end yep. of every episode, after a long story of massive incompetence on a systemic sta- scale, excuse me, you want to take that one again, or you want to keep plowing through? Yeah, keep plowing through. Fuck it. Uh, I like to tell a story about competence in an absurd way. Just a little story, something to cleanse the palate. A little morsel. Yeah. Some sorbet. Yeah. D- a delicate amuse-bouche. Ooh. Is that the French mighty bouche? <laughs> this is going to continue my series on beauty products. I started with Lily a couple episodes ago with uh, giant hair dryers and dimple machines and then continued on with Ben last episode where I talked about a beauty micrometer. And then today, Liam, that means that you get the chin reducer. Thank God, because I know Jay Leno and he's going to love this. (laughs) Get it? He's got a big ass chin. He's a dummy. We're thinking more for uh, for double chins here, I believe. Rude. Pull up your double chin. There have been a lot. Yeah, that's literally the thing. It's straps. Let me send you an image. So this is from. So the image I sent you uh, is from a bit later, but these started in the 1890s, where essentially <laughs> the chin reducer. <laughs> the chin reducer is just a strap that goes under your chin. That's meant to like press your double chin back up into your friggin' head. It looks like this person just got oral surgery. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of different, like, doctors and inventors who did this. Dr. Gian Walters, one of them. Dr. Oh, U- good. Professor Eugene Mack is another. Oh, um, one of my favorites. Yeah. Fucking, all the, this is the greatest hits. The one in the 1890s has cords that you pull to tighten the strap. <laughs> It's also meant to, like, reducing enlarged glands. Oh, God, you don't want a large gland. You are a large gland. And, you know, listeners, this one I'd like to challenge you all. I'd like you to build your own chin reducers. Don't do it. Send me pictures. No, no, as a producer of the show, do not do this. Do not do this. Failing that, I want you to press your hand up under your chin all day. That one you can do. <laughs> See what happens. I bet oh, your boy. chin doesn't reduce. Because that is a dumb idea. And as a special bonus, Liam, I've got a second beauty product for you. Fuck yeah. I'm better than everyone. <laughs> this one's called the nose harness. <laughs> harness your inner nose. It works on an extremely similar principle to the chin reducer. <laughs> oh, boy. It's a strap that goes over your fucking nose. 
Oh my god. It's like Hannibal Le- if Hannibal Lecter ate out of his nose. <laughs> it does look like a tiny Hannibal Lecter mouth, just for your nose. <laughs> well, I just love smelling people. Yeah, it, like, instead of getting surgery, just use this strap that'll force your thing into the shape you want. It'll make you look like, it'll make you look like you still haven't gotten a full handle on BDSM. <laughs> God. But you're learning. Training wheels. I don't have much to say about this other than it's like a, a harness that you put over your nose that's meant to like put, flatten it. You should put both these links in the description of the episode. All that's right. the that's the end of the pickle for the knowing ones, Liam. Woo! Pickles. Liam, thank you for being on my podcast. You can you're take a minute to plug some stuff me. if you want. Uh yeah. Uh well I run this website called <laughs> The major casts. It was supposed to be called a network, but Tom made me put network. I feel like uh, Tom would have been the one advocating for network, actually. I zagged when you thought I was going to zig. <laughs> it's called comedy. Yeah, Tom uh, begged you not to have a sexual reference in anything. No, listen to my other podcasts. Listen to uh, Media Majors. I run it with Tom. Listen to Sunday Morning Hangover Cure. We're recording it tomorrow. <laughs> Listen to, uh, yeah, and it'll be up after. I'm oh, sorry, before sh- this. Sure will. Uh, listen to all the shows on it. If you don't, I'll know, and it'll hurt my feelings. You want that on your conscience? You want that on your plate? Uh, also, I make music under the name Sword Dinosaur. My dad recently wanted to check it out. So hey, we're all making <laughs> progress in our own different ways. Um, if you're in the greater Los Angeles area. Come find me. (laughs) (laughs) The end. (laughs) A plugs by a joint by Liam (laughs) Sr. Always make your content funny. Okay. This has been Big Time Whoopsies. My name is Eric McAdams. You can find me on Twitter at Audaciously Yours. You can find my guest Liam at Call Your Dad. Also, call your dad. Yeah. You can find my personal website, nocharacterissafe.com. You can find other podcasts that I do on the Major Cast Network, like Sunday Morning Hangover Cure, which I do with Liam. Funny about that. Huh? (laughs) Record scratch. I was taking a big sip of my coffee mug, which is labeled, I don't do podcasts with anyone. Then this guy said this. And that's how the movie starts. Mm Mm-hmm. Excuse me. You're excused. Yeah, this has been Big Time Whoopsies. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being on my podcast, Liam. You're welcome. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for having me. I love you. Love you too. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.